Focus on Headline. All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. For this, joining us in the studio, we have the Son sisters back in the studio with us. Son Bogyoung, Son Myeon. Guys, welcome back. Happy Monday. Good evening. <laughs> it's been a while, Bogyoung. Welcome back. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like she's never left us. She's back with us. But I did leave you guys. No, you didn't. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. We refuse to acknowledge that, which is oh, why no. you're back here in the studio. All right. Good to see you once again. Guys, we're going to continue to talk about out, uh, South Korean President Yoon Se-gyar, uh, and uh, he's been quite busy in the past month or so going to the United States for a summit talk with uh, President Joe Biden. Uh, we had Fumio Kishida come to Seoul for talks there. Now, uh, in just his second year in office, uh, President Yoon Se-gyar now scheduled to have multiple bilateral and trilateral summits in the coming weeks. And first and foremost, we're going to talk about him heading over to Hiroshima, Japan uh, for uh, the G7 summit that is slated over there. Uh, what lies ahead of his trip, first and foremost, in Hiroshima and afterwards as well? We'll talk about that. Pogging going to start us off. Right. So as you know, last Wednesday marked the first year in office for President Yoon Seok-yeol. Now entering his second year, President Yoon's schedule looks quite packed with bilateral and trilateral meetings. According to the presidential office, Yoon, who will be heading to Hiroshima this Friday, will hold a trilateral meeting with his Japanese and U.S. counterparts this weekend on the sidelines of the G7 summit in Hiroshima. The purpose of his trip is to attend an expanded session of the G7 member countries plus eight guest nations, including South Korea. It is expected that President Yoon will share South Korea's position on the key topics of food security, energy supplies amid the Ukraine war, climate change, and ways to bridge the gap between the G7 and the Global South. And since Yoon is invited by the Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida, Yoon's attendance is expected to further improve bilateral ties that had worsened in 2019. And during the three-day visit, Yoon and Kishida will make an unprecedented joint visit to a memorial honoring Korean victims of the atomic bomb that devastated Hiroshima in 1945. And to boost trilateral cooperation, both leaders will also meet with Joe Biden to jointly address North Korea's nuclear threats. Although it is unlikely that there will be a joint declaration, the three-way summit will be a meaningful follow-up to their previous dialogue in Cambodia last November. According to Deputy National Security Advisor Kim Tae-pyo, Bilateral meetings with other world leaders are also planned before and after the G7 meeting. For instance, this Wednesday, Yoon will hold a bilateral meeting in Seoul with Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau upon the 60th anniversary of South Korea-Canada relations. And another key bilateral meeting is scheduled for Sunday. As soon as President Yoon returns from Hiroshima, he'll also meet with German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, who also heads to Seoul after the G7 meeting. Now, of course, uh, just a quick correction. I think you meant that Kim Tae-ho oh, is yes, the sorry. deputy security right. advisor. You have it on the script. Uh, yeah, but, and uh, I read it wrong. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, but nevertheless, obviously, uh, we do have these key meetings there. Um, but uh, we do have another big issue at hand here. We've talked about last week how there's been some conflicting idea or, I guess, 
Understanding of what South Korean inspectors into the Fukushima nuclear power plant meant? Well, South Korea and Japan now have agreed to host a four-day visit by the South Korean experts to Japan in order to inspect the contaminated water at the Fukushima nuclear power plant. But again, the details of the inspection program have not been finalized. And according to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, and uh, also further consultations will be held soon. So what, what's been agreed so far in regards to this, Mian? Yes, so the two countries made the agreement after holding the ministerial level consultations at the foreign ministry building in Seoul to discuss the details of dispatching an inspection team to Fukushima's site. Now, the consultation lasted 12 hours starting at 2.15 p.m. on the 12th and lasted until 2 a.m. the next day. During this long marathon meeting, the two sides held in-depth discussions on the scope of activities, including the dispatch schedule and items to be inspected based on detailed proposals from South Korean side. What has been agreed so far? So the visit of the South Korean expert is ex expected to last four days, as we have mentioned, starting next week. Now, now, given the wide range of ministries involved in scientific issues, um, the ministries involving ranging from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, the National Security Council, the Nuclear Safety Commission, the Ministry of Oceans and Fisheries, to the Ministry of Science and ICT, the South Korean side was reportedly quite detailed in explaining the facilities that we wanted to see and why, covering the very technical details. Now, just to give out the background for those who are unfamiliar with this, the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant disaster back in 2011 was the biggest nuclear accident uh, since Chernobyl and the process of decommissioning the plant has been delayed by the accumulation of water used to cool the reactor cores. So as a result, more than 1 million tons of supposedly treated water is to be released into the ocean, raising concerns about the possible ramifications it could have on the marine life and the seafood industry. And it's, uh, it's interesting that you noted that it's supposedly treated, right? Because uh, that's been the controversy in that, sure, uh, even if it's been treated, what about the tritium uh, that is going to be released into the ocean that is apparent, apparently uh, cancerous? And so the whole point of this is for, rightfully so, the South Korean experts to check that it is indeed safe for them to release these waters and the water that's being released is also safe and how is it going to impact the uh the the marine life and the seafood industry as well because ultimately according to some of the experts that we've talked to on the program myself including one of the professors from seoul national university he said the surface water from the fukushima mind you there's deep water uh, con uh concerns which is not as concerning uh but deep water uh, contamination is going to take several years. Mm -hmm. Now, if you take into consideration surface water contamination, he was saying that it would take about four to seven months for it to reach the coast of South Korea. Now, surface water is a big concern because much of the fish that's being caught is actually from the surface water area. It's not deep ocean fish. We don't catch any of these fish deep, uh, deep, deep into the ocean. And so certainly it is going to impact all of us. But the biggest problem with this, number one, was the lack of transparency. Mm -hmm. uh, Japan was withholding a lot of these information. They were making <clears throat> decisions unilaterally. The only argument that they were making is that they got all the approval from the IAEA is what they were saying. And there was not a whole lot of cooperation. Luckily, uh, since the, I guess, the improving of the relations between South Korea and Japan, we've seen uh, Japan sort of cooperating better with this. So how well is Japan cooperating with the South Korean side? 
Well, on paper, they seem to be very cooperating. So after, as as you mentioned, reviving the shuttle diplomacy mm. between the two countries, and uh, they kind of promised to cooperate on various agenda, the government plans to review the safety of the entire ocean discharge process through the inspection. But the Japanese side did reportedly express difficulty with some of the items requested by South Korea or stated that it was difficult to decide on the spot whilst they were having the consultation and they say that the more internal review was necessary. The Japanese government did emphasize that all relevant organizations will continue to work together to improve the transparency and also respectfully explain the information on the safety of treated water and the situation at the power plant to the international community. Yeah, and so that was kind of uh, the problem in the beginning, right? Because after the summit talk between the leaders of South Korea and Japan, they had said that, well, I mean, the South Korean side afterwards said that, well, Japan agreed to let South Korean inspectors into the site. And the Japan said, well, yes, you're going to have inspectors, but it's not inspecting the waters. You're just going to be briefed on the safety issues and how we're going about making this treated water, what they call treated water. Remember, mm-hmm. they don't call it contaminated water. Mm-hmm. They call it treated water. I'm going to call it contaminated because there's still tritium there. Uh, and that was the big conflict here. And so whether or not, I mean, if there is nothing wrong with the water that's going into the ocean, there should be absolutely no problem in getting any of the experts go in there and inspect the, the, the water that's going to be released from the Fukushima nuclear power plant. But obviously that's not the case. But if you're going to look at this on the glass half full, at least Japan is being more cooperative mm. than they were uh, in the past several years where they're just like, no. No, you get nothing. Uh, But uh, hopefully uh, this leads to some resolution because, again, uh, it is some serious stuff. In fact, there's some people from the Fukushima, uh, I guess, uh, the fisheries industry and the agriculture industry has been very much against the idea of uh, releasing this contaminated water as well. We're going to move on here. Uh, we've been kind of hinting at this. We've talked to Professor Yang Jun Suk last week in regards to this because it is going to impact all of us. You know what the saying goes, everything these days go up except for your pay. It is true. Luckily, I like my job and please don't fire me. Uh, it is the second consecutive quarter that South Korea is going to be hiking electricity and gas rates because number one, uh, high global energy costs. Not to mention, we talked about how uh, the state-run KEPCO has been bleeding money for many years now. They're trying to make up for the losses here. Pogyang, you're going to fill us in on the latest announcement that came in earlier today. Right. So if you remember, in the first quarter of this year, the South Korean government increased electricity rates for consumer and industrial use by 13.1 per kilowatt per hour. And now for the second quarter, South Korea will raise the rates by 8.1, which is 0.01 U.S. dollar, due to high global energy costs and mounting losses of state utility companies. This round of hike is estimated to cost a four-member household around 3,001 or 2.24 U.S. dollars, more on average per month. And it's not just electricity prices. The second quarter gas bills for cooking and heating will also increase by 1.041 per megajoule after freezing them in the first quarter. And this will cause a four-member household to pay about 4,401, which is around 3.29 US dollars more per month. And the second quarter rates will take effect starting tomorrow and will not be applied retroactively. And initially, the government had planned to finalize the second quarter utility rates in March, but 
postponed the decision because it sought to reduce people's economic burdens that mounted with spikes in heating and energy bills during the winter season. In a statement, Industry Minister Lee Chang-yong said that the hikes were badly needed to prevent the financial crisis of the Korea Electric Power Corporation, KEPCO, and the Korea Gas Corporation, COGAS, from spilling over into the overall economy. And to give you an idea of how big the losses of those two companies were, in 2022, KEPCO reported a record operating loss of 32.63 trillion won, which is around 23.9 billion U.S. dollars, which is more than quadruple from a year earlier due to limited electricity rate hikes, despite high inflation and an economic slowdown. It also reported another 6.18 trillion won, or 4.4 billion U.S. dollars of loss in the first quarter of this year. And KEPCO and Colgas also came up with self-rescuing measures such as property sales, restructuring overseas businesses, and freezing workers' wages. Again, I mean, these are huge figures right now. If you're saying you've lost 23.9 billion U.S. dollars, that's a whole lot. And uh, I mean, there was a number of things that you have to take into consideration. COVID-19, due to COVID-19 and just the lack of money coming in. And for a lot of the businesses, they were freezing rates or they're making cuts as well. And so ultimately it impacted them. But I guess for gas, right, since it's like the summer season and we don't really use gas for heating, except for like when we're taking a shower, maybe uh, it's not going to be a big issue. But uh, that's going to bleed into when it comes to like fall season and then then the winter season. Right. And obviously the gas bill has been already very, very expensive uh, the last uh, winter, if you guys remember, and not to mention now the the electricity bill. It's super hot today, 28 degrees. Mm -hmm. Everyone's pumping up their uh, air conditioners it is going to impact uh, the everyday people here uh, another major concern uh, that we've been talking about in the past few weeks now uh, the medical circle facing a critical point now this week president yun sagyar uh, he could veto what's been the opposition-led nursing act in a cabinet meeting expected on tuesday uh, do tell us uh, what what's the follow-up from the ruling part side and of course how is president yun going to respond to all this, Mian? Yes, so on Sunday, the ruling People's Party and the government decided to ask President Yoon to veto the Nursing Act. The decision was made amid strong protests from doctors and nursing assistants over the law, which is designed to help clarify the scope of nurses' duties and improve their working conditions. Now, back in April, the main opposition Democratic Party, which controls more than half of the 300-seat assembly unilaterally approved the bill, as all of we know, to legislate the law in assembly's plenary session on April 27th, despite fierce opposition from the uh, PPP as well as the Korean Medical Association. And the remaining procedure is now what we have is the assembly approved bill was sent on May the 4th to the government for Yoon to give his final approval. And upon receiving it, President Yoon must either sign it into law or reject it within 15 business days. So the deadline is this Friday. The health ministry said it will work to attribute uh, attribute uh, disputes in the medical community till the end so as to prevent any large-scale strikes. However, as we all know, the confusion seems to be inevitable. Each group has threatened to take, for 
example, collective action if the president does not decide in favor of their respective side. Uh, for example, the nurses community sees the law as essential in redefining their jobs, claiming that the ambiguities in their roles and duties as stipulated in the Medical Service Act have increased their workload. The Korean Nurse Association said 98.4% of its members agreed with the need to take collective actions if President Yoon exercises veto power against the law. On the other hand, doctors have been fiercely protesting the newly legislated law as they worry that its stipulations of nurses' roles and responsibilities are too broad and could see nurses independently practice medicine. So we'll just have to see until the final note coming this Friday. Yeah, this whole issue is really interesting because one of the things that uh, issues that were brought up ever since the, the, the start of the COVID-19 pandemic is that nurses don't get paid enough mm. uh, unless you work in like one of the major hospitals like the Samsung hospital or like one of the, uh, the the university hospitals and things like that nurses get paid very very little uh, compared to the amount of work that they put in and so there's been a lot of uh, talks about maybe increasing their pay and so forth but ultimately it impacts like the private uh, practices and the doctors who are going to complain in re- regards to this issue so I even with this, like the nurses side have, you know, a good argument. The doctors have a very mm-hmm. good argument. And then the, the nursing assistants got kind of involved and say, hey, well, well, why are you leaving us out? But the argument against the nursing assistants is that, well, you guys just got different education mm-hmm. compared to the nurses. You can't be trying to get the same number, I guess, same kind of treatment, right? Mm-hmm. That's like kind of. And then, of course, then the if the, when the nurses are seeing that, well, the doctors are going. You guys too. You guys didn't get the same kind of educations that we did, and you're trying to set up your own, uh, you know, private practices. And so it's a whole trickle effect here. No one's happy with this, and the president obviously in a very, very sticky situation. We'll see what kind of, uh, I guess, decision he makes in regards to this. Um, but nevertheless, we do know that the ruling People Power Party and the government did ask uh, President Yoon Sagyar to veto this act which again was uh, unilaterally passed by the, uh, the the main opposition Democratic Party in the National Assembly last month. But let's get a further detail in regards to this. Bogan, you have more. Right, so it looks like my article quite overlaps a lot with Mian's, and but still nevertheless, I will read through it just for our readers who just joined us maybe. Mm-hmm. So after the Nursing Act, which clearly defines the roles and responsibilities of nurses and aims to improve their working conditions, was passed through the National Assembly last month, which is currently controlled by the opposition party with the majority of the seats. Doctors and nursing assistants had expressed strong opposition over the law through protests. The only proponents were the nurses whose job and duty was protected by the law. In arguing that the act was approved unilaterally by the opposition party and saw significant backlash from members other than nurses within the medical circle, the ruling People Power Party asked President Yoon to veto the act. The decision was announced on Sunday after holding a high-level policy consultation meeting, which included key figures, including PPP leader Kim Gi-hyun, Prime Minister Han Dok-su, Deputy Prime Minister Chu Kyung-ho, Health Minister Chu Gyu-hong, and Presidential Chief of Staff Kim Dae-gi. The meeting dealt with the Nursing Act as its top agenda, as this would have to go through the president's veto decision on Tuesday when a cabinet meeting is slated for. And then President Yoon would have to decide whether to approve or reject the request for the controversial act by Friday. So if we take a closer look at how opinions are divided among the two sides within the medical circle, 
Doctors and assistant nurses opposed the act, saying that the legislation would cause turmoil within the medical circle, allowing nurses to open their own clinics without doctors and that assistant nurses could be left out. On the other hand, the nurses' community deems the law necessary in clearly defining their jobs and duties outlined in the current Medical Services Act that have increased their workload, which was especially observed during the pandemic, as you said, SJ. According to the Korean Nurses Association, more than 98% of the members support the legislation and agree with the need to push forward with a collective action if President Yoon decides to exercise his veto power against the act. The association cited the International Council of Nurses letter that wrote, The council sided with the law in support of all nurses associations worldwide. And as the highly divided interest within the medical circle may cause further dispute and confusion, the health ministry stated that it will work to settle the conflict and prevent major strikes from disrupting the healthcare system, causing inconvenience to the public. Yeah, it's crazy because, again, like the way that the medical system obviously works is the doctors can't run a hospital without the nurses. And then the argument also is that the nurses can't run everything on their own. Uh, there's also much that a nurse can do that only a doctor can do. Uh, but this nursing act apparently stipulates that these nurses uh, will get sort of the same sort of power as the doctors and the doctor's argument right. again is listen you didn't get the kind of education that we've gotten it is dangerous uh some people might be arguing well you know they're being greedy right but the, no 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 if you think about it from a pr patient's perspective mm. who, who would you rather trust right would you rather trust the nurses uh, or a doctor uh to i guess uh, treat your uh incidents cases here but uh benny says if this act is vetoed by president yoon this is the second one if i'm right i believe that the first one that he vetoed was on the interior minister Lee Sang-min's uh, impeachment, I believe. Mm -hmm. So, Benny, you might be right on that one. Uh, let's move on here. Uh, we talked about a, uh, a DP lawmaker and his controversy over the amount of cryptocurrency he had. Uh, he had a bunch of uh, WeMix coins that were worth uh, millions. Uh, and this was a controversy because he was sort of known as having this frugal image. Uh, and over this weekend, he announced that he's going to be actually leaving the party. Uh, but nevertheless, he's going to continue to fight for his innocence. Some people are saying what is wrong uh, with someone having uh, cryptocurrency. Some people also have stocks as well. Well, let's hear more on the details of this. Mian, you have more. Sure. So Kim Nang-gook of the main opposition Democratic Party said Sunday that he will leave the party amid snowballing allegations of his involvement in massive cryptocurrency dealings. Uh, he blamed the media for false articles about him and said that he will take legal action. Uh, noting the importance of next year's general election, Kim said he believes that the controversial issues surrounding him should no longer affect the party's approval rating. So he tried to clarify the situation since the issue broke a week ago. However, um, his explanations were found to be somewhat contradictory and questions were also raised about his ethics when it came to light that he was trading cryptocurrencies during his involvement with the National Assembly Committee sessions as well. Now, the most suspicious actions and what the media
media is questioning is, mm-hmm. is about the possibility of him using the insider information, which he used in his investment tactics and his kind of connection with the company WeMix that issues cryptocurrencies. Now, considering that the cryptocurrencies that Kim invested in were kind of newly minted tokens by the Korean company WeMix, they are less known in the market. So with his departure, the Democratic Party did say that it is expected to halt its fact-finding investigation and ethics inspection over the scandal as the party has kind of no authority to conduct an investigation into an independent lawmaker since he just left the party. Nevertheless, a Democratic Party said despite Kim's departure, it plans to investigate the scandal as much as possible with Kim's consent, although as we have mentioned, the effectiveness of its investigation held by the Democratic Party remain in doubt. I mean, even the whole idea that WeMix coins were sort of less known in the market is sort of iffy because you might be right. I don't know if you guys are into cryptocurrency whatsoever. Nope. No, right? <laughs> so you guys probably never heard of Remix, mm. right? But then like, I don't go crazy with cryptocurrency, but I do have some coins mm-hmm. that are worth like nothing right now. Uh, but Remix was big around the time that... Um, uh, the, the, the metaverse related coins oh. were going up. So like Sandbox and yeah. uh, what is it? The Decentraland and the WeMix is, uh, it's a game, it was from a gaming mm. company where it's like play to earn. Mm. Uh, and so it was big a few years back. And so, I mean, it's, it's dipped down quite a bit, but it was actually one of the more popular coins here in South Korea. It's just that globally WeMix coins uh, weren't as popular. So again, anytime a lawmaker is involved with a huge chunk of stocks or uh, a cryptocurrency, there's going to be always kind of questioning involved with this, but also because of his image of being this uh, very frugal mm-hmm. image that kind of ruins everything, mm-hmm. right? And so I guess he's not going to take any actions, uh, any chances here. Moving on, um, this is sort of concerning. Uh, we've been seeing a lot of mini earthquakes in this region. We're talking about the uh, the eastern coast uh, in the Tonghe region in Kangwondo province. Uh, this time earlier today, we had a 4.5 magnitude earthquake that struck the region there in Tonghe, Kangwondo province. Um, sure, 4.5 is not as big as some of the other bigger ones that we've talked about globally, like in Turkey and Syria and so forth. But still, it is rare to have something as big as this here in Korea. Let's get the details of this, Bogyong. Sure. So a 4.5 magnitude earthquake was reported at 6.27 a.m. this Monday, 59 kilometers northeast of the coast of Donghae, Gangwondo province, which is some 182 kilometers east of the capital, Seoul. It was first measured as a 4.0 magnitude quake, but later on an upward revision was made to 4.5. With an epicenter of 37.99 degrees north latitude and 129.72 degrees east longitude and a depth at some 32 kilometers, it was the strongest earthquake on the Korean peninsula or in waters around it so far this year, according to the Korea Meteorological Administration. It was also the strongest one since December 2021, when a 4.9 magnitude quake struck in Seogipo on Jeju Island. Fortunately, authorities say Monday's quake did not result in any damages. However, the tremors were said to have been felt throughout Gangwon-do province, Gyeongsangbuk-do province, as well as Chungcheongbuk-do province. So basically, not only in the northern part of the country, but also the center and the south. 
In fact, more than 20 tremor reports were filed, with most of them in Gangwon-do province. Although no damages were reported, but to give you a perspective of the intensity of the quake, in Gangwon-do province and Gyeongsangbuk-do province, a shaking intensity of level 3 was perceived, meaning that people inside buildings could feel slight tremors. As the quake happened in the morning, there were people still in bed feeling some motions, not shakings, but vibrations. And you could also see in footages how CCTV cameras were shaking as the quake occurred. Despite the relatively weak tremors, residents are getting worried as more than 30 small quakes were reported since the 23rd last month in the coastal regions. In this regard, the Ministry of Safety and Interior raised its earthquake alert level from blue to yellow, which is from caution to attention. Yeah, you, that's the thing that I was talking about is all these mini quakes. Is that going to lead to a bigger quake? But I remember... Um, I have to say, it was like a few years back, there was another earthquake around this maybe magnitude uh, off of uh, Gangwon-do, and it was felt here. Mm. And I remember I was doing uh, SJ's final thoughts, and I was about to wrap up the show, and all of a sudden, I'm, the wow. studio was shaking. Mm. And I was like, oh my goodness, what is going on here? But uh, it was, uh, some people say that, I mean, it's felt uh, in Seoul. I don't think it was felt. I was uh, mm. working uh, at this time, but it was not certainly not felt in Seoul. Uh, but it is very concerning when you have these mini earthquakes, and it's getting bigger and bigger. Uh, we'll uh, keep a close tab on this. Uh, here in Korea, uh, May 15th, it's actually a number of days. There's, 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 it's also coming of age day or something like that. When you're like, like ah, 성년회날? Yeah, isn't 성년회날? that? Is, is, it, is, is it today? Is it today? No, today no. is Teachers Day. Is Teachers only Teachers Day? Only Teachers oh, Day. Never mind. It's only Teachers mm. Day. I thought today was coming of age day today too, uh, but apparently oh, I'm too old and I don't remember this. Sorry, uh, I don't remember either. Yeah, but uh, it is. Oh, it is. See, our ah, producer okay. says, yeah, today is two <laughs> days. It's uh, the coming of age day. Oh. And also it's Teachers Day. Never knew. <laughs> <laughs> I I know the Teachers Day more, uh, being that it's it's been very long since mm -hmm. I was twenty years old, or whatever day you celebrate uh, coming of age. Um, but you know you have teachers. Uh, you know usually on these days you have teachers. They receive cards. Uh, they have flowers, and sometimes there's some celebrations and ceremonies uh, being held across the nation to recognize. Let's face it, the, the hard work that the educators are sure. uh, you know going through, and the teachers. And uh, I mean, surely with South Korea being such an education-focused mm -hmm. country, uh, so much pressure on on the, on the teachers as well. Mian, any uh, notable events happening today? Uh, yes, there are a few. So first one, I would like to mention the one that happened in Seocho-gu, the one we hear in Arirang. So the Ministry of Education, in collaboration with the Korean Federation of Teachers Organization, will hold the 42nd Teachers' Day ceremony at the K-Hotel. So about 238 teachers will receive government awards and 2,960 two teachers will receive ministerial awards for their contributions to educational innovation, life guidance, and human resource development. Also, to boost teachers' morale and revive the education community, the Ministry of Education launched the what's called We Support Teachers, We Are With You on YouTube's Ministry of Education TV. Also, the government has uh, launched Kakao Talk emojis for teachers and students so that they can 
kind of exchange their thank you notes. Uh, despite the efforts are being made from the government to recognize, you know, the hard work of our teachers, uh, we unfortunately have some disappointing survey results. According to a survey conducted by the Korean Federation of Teachers Organizations, the teachers' job satisfaction was record level low. So among 6,751 respondents who are teachers from elementary to university across the country, only, this is shocking, 23.6% said they were satisfied with their teaching jobs. Now, compared to 2006, when the organization first conducted the survey with the same question, the teachers were 67.8% satisfied, but it has steadily declined to the lowest level this year. And also, when asked if um, they would choose the teaching profession if they had to do it all over again, only 20% said yes, uh, showing the very dark side of the education industry in Korea. And also teachers, um, when they were asked about how their morale has changed over the past year or two, 87.5% said it has declined. Now, some of the top three difficulties in teaching, they say, was, for example, dealing with problematic behavior and maladjusted students, and also dealing with the parental complaints and maintaining relationship with the parents and also the very heavy administrative work and tours unrelated to education. So it is so pity to see that the popularity of the job has declined so quickly over the years and now young people even regard the job as extreme profession. I'm telling you, um, there, there's, I never really understood why parents have access to the teacher's phone numbers. Mm. You know, I remember yeah. when I was growing up and I tried to find my, my fifth grade teacher's phone number and I got in so much trouble for that because, you know, mm. back in the days we had this thing called uh, the white pages uh, where you could, what was it, yellow pages? Yellow pages, the, yellow, yeah. Yellow pages or the white pages? Because yellow pages are for business and I think white pages is for oh, residential, okay. right? And I got back in, in the days. I got in so much <laughs> trouble for that. That was a no-no. Mm. And uh, nowadays all the parents have their, you know, phone yeah. numbers and things mm. like that. And their body get phone calls and cacao messages uh, right. late at night asking about their children. It's, it's, it's so not uh, so not fair. Mm. Uh, Alicia Fisher says, does purchasing Teachers Day emoji support teachers? No, it, it's just free. Yeah. It's, it's free, just kind of. And uh, just like our producer said, and Soa, who's uh, chiming in, uh, it, Coming of Age Day is held on the third Monday of May. Yeah. Me and Bogyoung don't know because we're old. We, we're old. <laughs> our age came and left long time ago, many, many years ago. So. I'll remember that day for my son, though. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, moving on here, we got some uh, international news to talk about. Fiercely contested presidential election in Turkey. Uh, Erdogan appears to have an upper hand, but he's actually failing to gain the more than 50% of the votes that he needs. You have two candidates likely to accept the election runoff. Let's get the details of this, Bogyoung. Right, so Turkey's presidential election held on Thursday. Local time has been pushed to a runoff with no clear winner. President Recep Tayyip Erdogan announced in the early hours of Friday morning that he would accept a runoff vote when the official tally topped 90 percent. According to Turkey's election commission, President Erdogan, who is seeking a second term in the presidential election, secured 
49.49% of the vote when 91.93% of the vote was counted. The single opposition candidate running against Erdogan in the two-way race, Republican People's Party leader Kemal Kluts-Tarulu, received a 44.49% of the vote. And now, as a result, the two candidates are expected to hold a runoff vote on the coming May 28th to determine the winner. Initially, when opening the votes, Erdogan was expected to win the election with a majority of votes, but as the counting progressed, Klutstalulu closed the gap. And Erdogan's share of the vote was over 52% at the 50% mark, raising the possibility that he could clinch victory with a majority of the vote. However, when 90% of the votes were counted, that number went below the 50% mark. And in the meanwhile, Klutstalulu's share of the vote, which initially stood at 37%, steadily rose to nearly 45%. And this is an interesting outcome because an opinion poll that was conducted on May 11th showed that Erdogan would gain 43.7% of the vote and his counterpart would gain 49%. Uh, of the vote, putting him ahead by 5.6 percentage points. Earlier in the day, some polls even showed that Klutz Dalulu's vote would be above 50 percent. But now that Erdogan is ahead with 49.46 percent of the vote, while his challenger has just gained 44 percent when more than 99 percent of the votes were counted, Turkey's presidential election is headed for an unprecedented runoff because neither Erdogan nor, Erdogan nor Klutz Dalulu had secured more than 50%. And also the ruling Justice and Development Party, AKP, coalition is expected to win a majority of seats in the parliamentary elections held alongside the presidential election. With 94% of the vote counted, the AKP-led People's Union received 49% of the vote, giving it 324 seats, while the CHP-led Nationalist Movement Party gained 35% of the vote, giving it 211 seats. And the total number of seats in the Turkey parliament is 600. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that Erdogan would have uh, easily won this uh, election if not for the earthquake uh, which they were saying that right. the government and the ruling par- uh, government just their late response uh, to the rescue efforts. Uh, very quickly, one last uh, item of the day. Thailand's uh, general elections took place Sunday. Thailand is about to mark their first transition of power in nearly a decade. You have the Progressive Opposition Party looking to set to secure a stunning victory in Thailand's general election over the military-backed allied parties. Mian, how did the elections go there? Yes, yeah, sir. Thailand's opposition parties are on the brink of a convincing victory over the military-backed establishment parties in yesterday's elections. So with the 99% of the votes counted as of this morning, the Progressive MFP, the uh, Move Forward Party, and the Populist Pu-Thai Party were projected on Monday to win 286 seats from the 500 up for grabs. So the biggest winner of the night was the MFP, which wants to reform Thailand's strict majesty law and has taken strong stance in calling for military reform. Now, on the other hand, the royalist military fared poorly. The United Thai Nation Party of Prime Minister Prayut Zautza, who first seized power in a coup in 2014, was trailing in fifth, uh, and his former party, the Palang uh, Pracharat was 
at fourth with about 40 seats. So many analysts agree that the yesterday's election marks a big turning point for Thailand because it indicates most people in the country want to see a change. And they're also not very happy with the king neither. So mm. they want a whole lot of changes there. Guys, thank you very much for coming in today. Uh, it was good to see you once again. We'll probably see, see you in the near future. All right. Guys, have a safe one. We'll see you next time. Have a good evening. Thank you. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.